Welcome to Rebel FM episode 148. I'm Anthony Gallegos. With me is Tyler Barber. Oh, wait. Aww. He's not. Matt Chandernay. Yay! And Arthur Geese. Man. Pee-pee's sitting where Tyler sits. It's so. true. Uh, she has nothing interesting to say about video games, though. <laughs> um, so, so, so uh, in honor of, uh, of, uh, of curiosity making its way to Mars, Yes, I delved back into... Kerbal Space Program. Kerbal Space Program because really? it's nice. it's still it's still not a finished product, but the guy right. the the team does regularly release updates to people that have bought Did it. Did you see you know, any of that like landing Minecraft. shit? Huh? Did you see any of that landing shit? I saw some of it. You know, and the thing for me is I found it a lot less exciting than a lot of people. Not because mm-hmm. it isn't a huge achievement, mm-hmm. but because a lot of people I think like a lot of people don't realize that we've sent other things to Mars. I don't think <laughs> we've never sent anything that size. No, we haven't. Right? We haven't. Size. We haven't sent anything that size. But I'm telling you from like the, a lot of the random Twitter comments I would look at mm-hmm. stuff, I don't think people realize that we've we've done anything. That like we've this. been to Mars before. This is just yeah. the first time that it's occurring with social networks being as popular as they are. Right. Well, th- this, one, this one had a really big... This was like a successful marketing push from NASA. Exactly. And and so if nothing else, like the, the whole thing about it for me was like, I was not necessarily that excited that we had another lander there mm. as much as I'm like excited about the prospect that people get excited about space. Again. Yeah. Like that's yeah, what yeah, I want. Yeah. You know, like like more than anything in my lifetime, like I would love people to be excited about space again. I was yeah. a huge fascination with space. At one point in my life, I wanted to be an astronaut, and then I found out I could not. Mm-hmm. So, not only because I'm probably not smart enough, but also because uh, while I am the ideal height for an astronaut, uh-huh. I have blood pressure problems, immediate disqualification. Ah, uh, so. bummer. Um. Anyways, I think you're smart enough to be an astronaut, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, but anyways, there, does anyone in here give a shit about the X Files? The show? I watch that all the time. Yeah, I used to. I still watch that all the time. There Why? is a semi-credible rumor right now that both David Duchovny and uh, Julian Anderson are broken up and divorced and are now living together. What? Like, boning. Like in real life? Yes. Oh. Weird. Man. It finally happened. Older <laughs> yeah, and Scully finally, finally well, got I guess, together. <laughs> like, was it the second Exiles movie? Like They, they consummated. Uh, I think Ow. it wasn't it shown that they were doing it all the time. Yeah. That they had always been doing it. Yeah, so. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to. Kerbal Space Program. Space. So, oh, yeah, so in honor of it. So I went and I logged into Kerbal Space Program. when I have Twitter. Downloaded the latest upgrade. If you want to check it out, it's kerbalspaceprogram.com. 15 bucks. Um, nice. And uh, so since then, they've added a ton of shit. Uh, a lot of polish to the game, but also... Mm. Um, so when I was looking at a lot of videos online of the old build Tyler and I used to talk about, um, people were, 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 were creating rockets. And if you don't know the whole premise of Kerbal Space Program is that you create rockets from scratch and then try and get into space and to the moon and Mars. Right, and you actually have to like build the pieces of your rocket. Yeah. And, and it has to be like, you know, you need to make it like maybe not aeronautically correct as it would be in real life, but pretty close. Mm-hmm. So there's like a lot of realistic physics that go on with it. So, uh. A lot of people on the videos, when everyone would showcase this, they would build rockets that could take off, and they would fall, just fall and then, and, no, but then they would t- 
take off and drive them like jets. Oh, they would cool. fly them like jets, so they'd <laughs> right. make them. So since then, Kerbal Space Program has added jets. Nice. Like now, you can you can build space jets. So the whole point is you can still use all these rocket parts, but they've made it to where they can take off. There's a reentry vehicle from a horizontal. Yes, you can make you can totally make a hundred percent. You can make the space shuttles now that we That's used to use. Great. And so now they can take off and they can return and land if you're good enough. And they've also <laughs> added in a bunch of landing vehicles in case you can reach the moon. Now you can like deploy your little Kerbals. So Sweet. the game has evolved a lot. I yeah. still have trouble getting out of Earth's gravity. <laughs> right. I've only ever done it once. So, and Where did the, you go after that? Uh, to death. <laughs> like the whole thing for those Kerbals was they never came back. <laughs> right. I escaped Earth's gravity and flew off in a random direction <laughs> in space and realized that I had no propulsion system to get them home. <laughs> so that was it for them. Forever Bye. lost. So now it, playing that game gives you newfound respect for all of everything they have to think about engineering wise to be like all right we have to get them the fuck up there which is challenge number one yeah then we have to put a bunch of equipment on this thing so they can get and land somewhere then we have to put equipment to get them back into space then we have to put equipment back in there to get them back to earth Mm -hmm. and in the process of that now you have to make the original thing to get them out of space even bigger because now you've added a ton of weight Mm -hmm. and it's like i just you guys are good. <laughs> and so and sometime far in the Man, future. That's amazing. We're so. we're gonna find out that uh, all of these entities inside of the computer were actual living beings and you've just been sending them all to their deaths. Just really, yeah, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like God forbid we mentioned his name, but Orson Scott Card's Ender's game. Right? <laughs> yep. So uh, where I'm just like, yeah, I'm slowly doing the space program. I would say fifty percent of the time my rockets don't make it off the landing pad. <laughs> so <laughs> If that's true, well, then I'm sorry to those families. So. Um, but yeah, video games, guys. Video games. Video games. There's a lot of games coming out, but not this last week. There's a ton coming out next week, though. Yeah, but I actually played quite a bit of stuff for once. Yeah. You know, because I actually had some time for once. Yeah, I heard you played through Deadlight. I did. I did. It's Arthur also play played through. through Deadlight. I did play through Deadlight. I only played the first hour. Ah. But I do like the way that game like handles its presentation right like as far as like i like i actually dig like comic book cutscenes can be pretty lame sometimes yeah but i actually find that this game does them pretty well the music in that game is really fantastic like oh yeah the music is great i mean it's definitely written by it, it feels like a a teenager's version of a dramatic adult comic book and uh it's not very well written at all but um the mood I, is right, you know. I feel that... I mean, the problem here is that it's not... It was made by a bunch of Spanish people mm-hmm. in Spanish mm-hmm. and then got translated. Yeah, and probably a lot of that doesn't translate very well. Yeah. Or, you know, it depends entirely on the quality of the localization. I team, wish right? they offered the original Spanish one. I'd be curious to see what that was like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It would be cool to, like, play the original Spanish one, too, and, like, see if people put alternate translations online and see what they come up with. Because, like, you can't ever really know if... The original script is kind of bad, or if it's the localization team. But I feel like there are some things that really are just kind of probably bad. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> no matter what language it was in. Okay, so but outside of the story though, which I think yeah. is secondary to why people would sure. play this, yeah, is like you know the the sort of gameplay it does. And I've only mm-hmm. so yeah, played the first hour. It's only like an hour into it. I feel like you start to get into the idea of using the environment to really get past 
the zombies like before that you're you're using them to jump past i mean mm-hmm. but you're not using it to kill them like mm-hmm. you know the, the, like an hour in is when you there first start encountering like cars that, that'll slam guys yeah, down yeah but there isn't a whole lot of that in the game period i mean like the environmental hazards are definitely there but like you run into a lot more things where they're just obstacles to you progressing not necessarily things to kill the zombies um so you know and and i think looking at it being played people might get the wrong idea that this is kind of a metroidvania type game and it isn't at all it's very linear it's definitely point a to point b you know like you never backtrack unless it's like just for like a specific like one-time puzzle reason you know um but i actually think it's better for it because you know this guy is on a journey he's not just trying to yeah they established in the first few minutes you have a very clear destination yeah exactly so like it's really important that you feel like you're not backtracking in areas because you know it's gonna it'll it won't it wouldn't move the story forward um but i i, I definitely think that the strongest thing with the, with the game is just its artistic presentation and by that i mean the music and the graphics and you know the ambiance the ambiance yes yeah it was interesting uh i think uh one of our people at IGN talked to the guys that made that game and they said originally they wanted to make it the intention when they were developing it was to make the game black and white mm-hmm. and then limbo came out and they were like yeah. oh uh, <laughs> never mind i, I heard the yeah. same thing um when i first saw it at the the pre-GDC event this year. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I, I so with my limited amount of time that I played is I, I like the fact that uh, zombies gener- I like genuinely feel threatening in that mm-hmm. game. Like, I've you know, you play things like Left 4 Dead and zombies are scary, but not one. But mm-hmm. in this game, I still feel like one zombie can be kind of scary. Originally, that yeah. game didn't have a life bar. Oh, well, that would have even made it more terrifying. It, it was one-hit kills for everything. Oh, well, that probably would have sucked. <laughs> yeah. but no, I'm glad they didn't do that. Especially considering you are not at the worst part of the game yet. No, I'm no. sure I'm not. Yeah, and I'm glad they didn't do that because like the controls sometimes are just straight up awkward and weird. Right, there's a, Shadow Complex had this to a degree as well, mm-hmm. although Shadow Complex was way more forgiving of it just by virtue of its design. Um, there's a lot of latency in the controls. Definitely. They don't feel as exact as maybe you would hope that they'd be. Um, and it's not just it's not just the the human nature of the character, you know. It's like you understand that he's like just he's just a dude you know he can't like it's kind of weird because he can't you know make these amazing flying leaps everywhere but he can still do wall jumps but he has trouble climbing up something sometimes so it's kind of uh, incongruous as to the nature of the character just how agile he's supposed to be yeah but there are things like exactly like arthur said with controller lag where it's not just that he takes a while to turn around it's like i press right and I can totally like watch on the screen him still going left before he turns around and goes right. Yeah, um, which is sort of an Unreal Engine three thing. Um, Unreal Engine three games typically have pretty bad latency unless they're Gears of War. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess I guess you know I just like the fact that like I was saying like zombies are scary and it's yeah like, definitely like even when you first even after you have a melee weapon mm-hmm. you can't just brutalize your way through all them no like, because super you easy. got the stamina meter which runs out if you swing the axe too much or if mm-hmm. you run too fast mm-hmm. or like that part where you crawl down in the sewer mm-hmm. early on very mm-hmm. early you crawl down in the sewer for the first time you can see the bodies under the water and then you run past them and they get up and like you literally just barely make it up the ladder out of their grip like there are right. moments like that in that game where i'm like oh see that was like genuinely like i don't know if i can say frightening but it's mm-hmm. like there's tension 
Exactly. Yeah. Well, you don't think of a of a side scroller as being necessarily tension inducing in that way. Yeah, you tension know, inducing in the fact that it's hard, and you're like, "Am I going to do it?" Sure, right. but but not like, but not kind of like that. This game does a good job of like, I know what you said. You know, like you're not afraid, and there's not a lot of fear, but there's more of a fear element than there is if it was just a skill challenge. You know, correct. It's yeah. uh, it's actually it's actually good design good intentional design to make you feel that way yeah i'm i'm so i mean uh it's totally enjoyable i think it's i think it's absolutely something that people should get and play some well yeah i was gonna ask you guys about that because yeah i did okay see because i was gonna ask about that because i had heard from several people not even necessarily people that i work with that uh it's just yeah you know it's just like other people it's like you know it hits it gets kind of it it loses its way a little bit and I, I think parts. that that's a fair accusation. It uh, it definitely asks more of you than it can comfortably give, especially with regards to the controls and certain platforming sequences in the middle. Well, uh, and it definitely has some situations where the environment just isn't readable. Yeah. Where it's like I would die to zombies over and over and over again because I didn't know where to go. And then I would like, oh, well, I'm fleeing from these zombies. And then I run into this other group of zombies that I can't get by. What the hell is going on with this? But it's because... Are you because, talking about the part at the end with the infinitely spawning zombies in the window outside? No, but that's bad, too. But uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the... There's a really there's a really obnoxious puzzle or four or five yeah. in that game. But there's one where it's just like you're running from zombies. And like you run by this, like, this uh, truck that you're supposed to get in. But the icon doesn't pop up in front of things unless you're moving slowly. So I was running right by it every time, and the icon wasn't popping up. So you had no idea you were supposed to get in. I had no idea I was supposed to get in. And on the and at the other end is just a group of zombies, and there's no way to jump around them. You can't swing your axe through them all because there's too many of them. So I was getting cornered by zombies that were chasing me from both sides, and I must have died there like six times before I randomly stopped in front of that truck while I was trying to run away from the zombies. So, I mean, like, there's... There's things like that where it's it's just clear that uh, you know it's not uh, as fully fleshed out as you would want it to. Sure, be. or and it falls down, or it's like you know moments like that make you think like man, how a game could benefit from like earlier focus testing right? or something. You know, I mean, obviously they're t- a small team. It's not yeah. like they're going to be like, oh, we have the money for focus testing. What the right. fuck ever. They <laughs> had friends play it, but well, the f- and I think the cool thing is is that at this point, um, I should really be sick of zombie games. And uh, this game was still totally enjoyable. It it really feels like it's just another alternate zombie universe with shit going on. And the whole um, um, 1980s thing didn't come across at all. That seemed like kind of arbitrary. They seemed like they dialed it back a little bit from the last time. Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, they mentioned that in the beginning, but after that, I didn't really... It could have been 80s, 90s, It's supposed to take place in 86, but you can't tell at all. Like, even stuff is is sort of... That seemed subtle when I played it before, like the fact that when it loaded, um, there is a cassette on Mm -hmm. the screen that was being wound backwards. So really, only children of the 80s and early 90s would know what that means. Mm -hmm. Now, like before, there was an image of a cassette, and now it's just like the spindles from a cassette, which is really really wheeled. Really wheeled. It's really wheeled. Um, I mean, and there's a lot of stuff that's... It's really heavy-handed with the dialogue a lot of times. Oh, yeah, the whole, like, damn commies Um, thing. Because, you know, Soviet Union. There's some interesting stuff they do narratively that I don't know if everybody will get because I don't know if it's clear enough and also some of it is buried in mm. the pages you find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The diary is pretty cool. Then a lot cool. of people won't because a like lot of people the, 
Sorry. It's not hard yeah. to find the pages. No, it's no. not. But I'm saying a lot of people, for instance, me, when I'm playing that game and I'm not like, if I'm not reviewing it, like I haven't, I plan on stopping and reading the pages eventually, but I have not stopped and read them yet. I mean, yeah. I can, I can point out what it was. Uh, I'll go. Do you care if I break this down for you? Spoiler. Okay, yeah, so Fast I'm gonna, forward like four minutes. No, to spoil, <laughs> like from here, give me about 20 to 30 seconds and and then you should be fine. So there's an insinuation made in some of the pages, A, that he's an unreliable narrator, which is easy, and B, that there were a pair of girls in the woods where he worked as a ranger that he murdered. Yep. Oh, your character? Yeah. Yes. It's, okay. it's heavily implied in his diary that this guy uh, is... Fuck. is is a murderer also every id card you find in that game is a serial killer is the name of a serial killer oh well and, cool and then See, i didn't the, know that that's cool yeah and i just haven't bothered to read the journal pages yet so now i will well it's weird because like it doesn't it doesn't Welcome really back. fit it doesn't really fit with his character as it plays in the game especially because he's definitely the hero at the end of the game so i don't know it's weird but like the stuff that happens before i'm not even 100 percent sure of what you see at the end is what actually happens or if that's his imagination. Mm. Yeah, who knows? So It was all a dream. Yep. Oh well. Good stuff, especially especially from like, you know, a, it's nice to I always like it when you have good games from other countries, you know, cuz we just don't see a lot of that. Like we get a lot of stuff from the United States and Canada uh when it comes to indie developers, but we don't actually especially and, well, from Central and, even, and South America, we well, see hardly nothing. And even Europe yeah, like uh, Europe. We, if we get games, they tend to come from either the UK or France. That's like it, and then mm-hmm. some hardcore PC titles from like Germany and Poland. But like, <laughs> right. uh, so many other countries never represented, right? But yeah. uh, but in the last couple of years, we have seen like Dice has always been in Sweden, but now we're seeing like a burgeoning Swedish indie scene. Mm. And there's like a you know obviously there's an indie scene starting in Spain. I so. hear somebody trying to Skype you. <laughs> well, let's keep going. So it's what's me. What's the next game? Uh, uh, I played I mean, some Dyad. I the other thing I wanted to say though, really quick about Double no. is just that no, we we've, we've moved on. No, we haven't moved on. I I liked it a lot. I just think that it's a game with some problems. It is. Uh, so like my recommendations for it are are with caveats mm-hmm. that there are things that just fucks up. Like in the <laughs> mid, honestly, the sewer section is pretty infuriating. You're not there yet. It's but it's basically the middle third of the game. Um, that is what I heard. <laughs> um, Dyad. Dyad. Dyad is very pretty. Has a lot of good music. What, what, what do you equate it to mostly? You know, I was trying to... I still can't remember the name of this game. But do you remember that it's an old arcade machine where you sat down on like a motorcycle-like thing and you leaned way forward... And you were, you were, it was a futuristic racer where you were going down a tube and you could like move yourself around the tube in any direction. And you're trying to hit speed pads and dodge enemies and like beat the other guys and stuff like that. And I can't remember what that game was called, but I played the shit out of it when I was a kid. And like, as soon as I started playing Dyad, I was like, oh, this is that game. (laughs) Only it's like, uh, with updated music, with updated music and graphics. Yeah. Uh, Except, you know, it, it does have the different mechanics. Like, you're not just racing. In fact, you're not really racing at all except against the clock. Uh, like, when you see enemies ahead of you, you grapple onto them and then you pull yourself forward. 
And then the idea is that when you grapple these enemies and it pulls you forward, you have to move to just to the side of them or, you know, to while, get out. While in the grapple? Right. So it's a little bit like Bionic Commando, you know, where you're pulling yourself up, uh, but you're pulling yourself directly towards something that's going to hurt you. Right. So you have to let go early to swing past it, basically? Yeah. You have to let go. Uh, well, really, like when you press the button, you just go towards them. There's no like holding on longer or letting go sooner or But whatever. you need to maneuver yourself so you don't just ram into them. Right. Exactly. And, uh, but it starts, but the genius of diet is that it starts introducing more complicated mechanics as you go on. So, you know, you're going down this tube or through this tunnel track, however you want to perceive it and grappling the enemies. And that's how you get speed. Uh, but then they introduce a thing. Well, if you grab two enemies in a row, it's a combo and you get more speed. Did we, uh, I thought we talked about Diane. You did, but I don't think Matt was here. Oh, okay. Oh. Or Matt hadn't played it. Yeah, we talked about that. Okay, yeah, I don't think I was here. But you like it. I do like it, yeah. There, um, it was it was interesting because originally I thought that I wanted to play with the D-pad, but then I realized the, the game is definitely more tuned to the analog stick. And uh, the skill-based things where, you know, they have the little bonus points and bonus speed if you can skim an enemy and you go through like the... So, like, if you grapple toward an enemy to get your speed, and if you just barely shoot by them, there's like a little there's like a little highlight around them, and if you shoot by them within that highlight area, uh, you get more points. Yeah, that sounds a little bit like uh, in a game like ah, uh, yeah, 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 where it's like the closer you got to touching the buildings without actually hitting it. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Gives and then you a they bit of reason to risk it. Enemies that shoot at you, and they have challenge stages where like. You have 50 grapples to get, you know, uh, 22 combos or something like that. And uh, if you reach the end of the stage without getting the combos or if you run out of grapples, you know, you don't get the trophy, that kind of stuff. Um, it's really pretty sophisticated. And the, the cool thing is, is the, the menu has um, really well-timed music to every stage and every part of every stage. And uh, I found myself just kind of like switching through the music almost like, a, or switching through the stages almost like I was using a sequencer, like making my own tunes out of the stage music, out of stage select music. It was cool. Yeah, I really dig that game. And it just sort of goes to this year's Summer of Arcade being really underwhelming. Mm. Yeah, right? Like like the Deadlight was the highlight of it, and Deadlight was good, but it wasn't yeah. like... Like Deadlight was good with a lot of qualifiers. With a lot of mm-hmm. qualifiers, and and not only that, but the rest of arcade was like totally forgettable. Like Reketeer, I actually heard like Reketeer seems to be number two. Yeah, I've heard it. It's mm. it's pretty fun, but and another Connect game, and a lot of people mm. don't necessarily jump into those. And then Tony Hawk, it's like eh. Tony yeah. Hawk, yeah, was not good. I I mean, and then fucking Hybrid got pulled today because it's not working. Wow. Yeah, it's just like. Compared to other years where you had, like, Trials or Explosion Man, mm-hmm. it's just like, what happened? I mean, there were some amazing games earlier this year, mm-hmm. uh, but there are also some really terrible games earlier this year. No, it was funny, because I, I turned on my Xbox for the first time in probably three or four months to play Deadlight, because I got a code for it. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, I like, the summer arcade stuff was up there, and I was looking, I was like, I don't want any of these games. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've I got Deadlight, but yeah, I don't care about any of the other ones. Yeah, it's weird. So. I mean, Dust could be good. Yeah, and there's another game. I don't know if it's coming out on Xbox Live or not, but I saw it on Steam and it looked cool. Maybe it's what like that? that Ubisoft game, Rise of Babel or Fall of Babel, Ta- Tower oh, Babel. Babel Rising, Babel Rising. 
I, 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 I didn't no, see Babel that. Rising, I think, came out on 360 a while ago. What like. is it? I say Babel. Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel. Is it about languages? It's where babbling comes from. <laughs> yes, I'm aware. Is it... Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's literally about people trying to make Yeah, it a, came out in June. Oh, okay. So it's just coming out on Steam. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty... I mean, oh, so it's about people trying to make the Tower trying of to make Babel? The, and you fucking are being God and killing them. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. I just like... I was like, as how did I not hear goes. about this game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's any good, but it just yeah. seems like anti, anti-dust. Where it was like right. the other Ubisoft game dust where it's like, make the world and save these people. And this one's like, fucking kill them for being <laughs> idolaters. Which is far more up Anthony's alley. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, he loves destroying populations. But you pl- So Diet has great music, but in a great segue, mm-hmm. there was another PlayStation game that just came out that has great music. <laughs> <laughs> but it also Your fists made of hams. But it's music, <laughs> yeah. but it's music where you take the music and you make it into shapes. Is That's it called m- music sounds? It's called shape. Sa- it's music called sh- boxes. It's called it's called music shaper. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, sound shapes is really good, which is good considering that it's been delayed and, mm-hmm. and shit. And so delayed and wasn't delayed it supposed to be delayed. a launch title? Yeah, was it? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so it's nice that it's finally here and it didn't, and especially as a follow-up to a everyday shooter, like, mm-hmm. it's like the guy had all this shit, so it was like, can he do it again? Mm-hmm. And he so. did do it again? Did he do it again, Arthur? Uh, side note, it is, I saw it last year at Judges Week when the Vita was still the NGP. Right. And it was totally different. Hmm. Like, that game has, has changed completely. Nice. Um. So yeah, it's... It's more of a game than I think a lot of people expect. There there are some fairly involved platforming sequences. Not to the point where it should keep you from progressing. I don't even think I have a firm grasp of what this game is. Yeah, me either. Okay, so it's a at its most basic, mechanically speaking, it's a platformer. You play as a ball that rolls mm-hmm. from left left to right okay. and you can jump. Uh it will stick to a lot of surfaces. If you hit the right bumper or the square button, you become heavy, which keeps you from sticking, but will allow you to roll faster and get more air on your jumps. I already love it. <laughs> okay, so like you maybe you'll roll down a hill to get a better jump, but you'll let go of the right bumper so you can stick to a wall that you, you touch. So does it control at all? So are you tilting the world, or are you just no, controlling the ball? You're just controlling the ball. Cool. Uh, if you touch anything red, it kills you, and you instantly reappear at the last checkpoint you hit. Oh. Um, hmm. the, there is a basic beat and minor bit of melody going behind every stage. And as you touch coins on a screen or, uh, you were getting so many Skype messages right now. I know. I'll go kill it. You should do that. <laughs> so there's a beat going behind every level. And as you gather stuff, it adds to that. It adds to the melody of each song cool and as the game progresses more and more stuff adds to the music like later on enemies will make noises that contribute to the music um and more complicated levels will have the music affect the the condition of the stage uh especially in the beck level um so it's really visually sophisticated um not in a crazy polygon sort of way but in a just a very dense very 
stylistically defined kind of way. Um, and it changes from album to album, which is what they call the sets of stages. Uh, hmm. The Super Brothers stage is very clearly a Super Brothers stage. <laughs> nice. Um, the Beck People stage, who don't know Super Brothers is the creative force behind Swords and Sorcery. Yeah. And the music is by Jim Guthrie in that ah, section. Makes so. perfect sense. Nice. <laughs> and I guess that there is a uh, Swords and Sorcery <laughs> Easter egg in there somewhere, but I didn't see it because I didn't play that. It also makes sense because all them dudes are in Canada together. Eh. Uh, oh, excuse me. But the music is really good. The visual presentation really ties into the music really well. It's fun to feel like you're participating in that. And there are platforming sequences that get really clever. So, and it's all $15. Nice. Uh, and all of this comes with a music creation slash level creation tool that's easily as robust as almost anything you'd see anywhere. And then you can download user levels pretty yeah. easy as well. There are already a thousand. Wow. That's fucking cool. There were cool. a couple hundred before the game even went live. See, this seems to me it's like... So when are they coming out with the PC version? There's a PS3 version. I don't even care if there's a PC version as much as it's just like... <laughs> Like these sort of games and the blob game and stuff. I'm just mm-hmm. like, like, I just, this is what I want to play on Vita. Like I don't even mm. want these other games that they keep forcing on it. And well, <laughs> like let me say they tried to force on it. Cause at this point there haven't been any fucking games for that system. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, yeah. The problem that I have, and this is just purely from a business perspective, I'm a little surprised that Sony put it on PS3 as well. Which, in a way, I guess is good as a publishing partner because they want the game to succeed enough that they're like, well, there aren't enough Vitas out there for this game to really find the audience that we would like it to, so let's put it on PS3 too. Mm -hmm. But as a Vita owner, it's a little frustrating because it's finally a game that seems very much designed for the Vita, and you don't need a Vita to play it. Yeah. like, And there's so little else on the Vita... um, that that I think a lot of people, myself included, were expecting that this might be something that could sort of reignite conversation around. Yeah, the point people, this is why I have one. Is there anything about playing it on the Vita that makes it extra nice to play there? Um for me it's worse to play there because the the Vita is not necessarily a comfortable thing to hold. Mm. Um Gotcha. For for doing level design stuff you can uh use the reverse touch screen to move things around which is probably might be faster than it would be with a controller on the ps3 mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know uh it's that's frustrating but i can't hold that against the game which is really really fantastic even to the point where music i didn't expect to like i liked a lot hmm. because of the experience it was tied to like the beck stuff is really good because of the platforming and stuff that is tied to because of the platform and just the way that the music interacts with the level uh, and during the break I can actually show you that which should do more to sell you that game than anything I could say it's interesting that Beck's on there I don't know it's like everything else you're, you're describing is maybe the queasy dudes are Scientologists or something I don't know <laughs> Beck is Scientologist oh yeah oh really I didn't know that that makes you like Beck a little less doesn't it yeah it kind of does <sighs> what you gonna do I just watched uh, his uh, the Michelle Gondry video the Beck Michelle Gondry video a couple days ago again. I've been on a music video kick lately, especially Michelle Gondry music videos. I don't even know who that is. Michelle Gondry? Uh, you might know some of the movies that he did, like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, okay. 
and you know he's the science of sleep anyway so what else have you humans been playing i played uh the mass effect extended cut finally played mass all the effect way Effect Expo- exposition edition exposition edition did you enjoy it more you know what i did i enjoyed it more it was uh, almost the Animal House ending you wanted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it uh, uh, it added in so it added in some stuff that like was clearly clearly missing, and other stuff that I can see how people could totally live without it, but that I actually was glad that it was there. Did you see the film crit Hulk? The who article? Know? Have you heard uh-huh. of film crit Hulk? Yeah, I have. Uh, he wrote a a piece about the Mass Effect three ending. Oh, cool. I guess people have been bothering him for months to do it because they thought that he was going to tear it apart. Uh, and he teed off on the people that have complained about it. <laughs> right on. Um, but anyway, I I did like it. I did like it better. It was a more satisfying conclusion for me. Um, but there are some things that like were just clearly missing that like I can see why they put back in like um or why they put in you know like and if you haven't beat mass effect 3 just like close your ears for the next 15 seconds or so like at the end you know you're walking towards uh you're walking towards the portal with your crew and you get all blowed up and then magically your crew is like or the two people that were with you are in the normandy out crash landed on a planet and so they added in like just a couple moments that connect those things so that now it makes more sense um, but there's a lot of the other exposition stuff that they added in at the end, which I don't necessarily think the ending needed, but for me personally, it was more satisfying and I'm fine with that. So you would say that if people were to like, it's, if you really were dissatisfied with the ending, it's worth seeing this. I think so. If you were really dissatisfied with it. Yeah. But I mean, like, even if you were just kind of, you know, even if you didn't hate the ending, but you just wanted it to be a little bit more like I did. I think it's worthwhile for people that like like the Mass Effect ending as it currently is. I don't really think it ruins anything for you, and but it does give you like a little bit more to play and to watch. Um, for me, it was for me it was basically a free download because I bought the collector's edition. You know, it was a free download for everybody. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. I thought it was just because I had the collector's. We're edition. We're talking about the extended yeah, stuff. Extended yeah. cut, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, like, You're I not can't. Special. Yeah, I can't see any reason not to play it unless, uh, like, I can't see how it could ruin the ending for people that like the ending as it was, really. Because it's not like it changes the the decision points at the end. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Anyway, I I found it enjoyable, and then uh, I've also been playing uh, Dawn Guard. Speaking of expansions. Yeah. How, how, I mean, so, you know, obviously those expansions, like, for Fallout and stuff, you know, there were some that were hit and miss, some that were incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously in Oblivion, too, there was, like, Shivering Isles, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. There were other ones that were okay. Like, how do mm-hmm. you feel, like, about Dawnguard so far? Does it feel like it's, like, a, a super substantial, like, this is, like, a legit... So far, it feels really substantial. Yeah. I think it's... Uh, I think the the hype train was pretty much right on for that one it it feels it is solid it is a really solid expansion now 
I'm not done with it yet. So the, it may be that the next mission I go to ends it all. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like that. It seems like it's more building up towards something. I was going to say, it's also pretty long, right? It seems pretty long to me. I've been playing for a good five or six hours. But, you know, well, that's actually not fair because... Of course, you know, whenever you go back into a Bethesda open world game, you realize that you have 10 missions that you never completed. Sure, you like, get oh, roped I'm into go non-guard non guard content. <laughs> yeah, the exactly. problem with Skyrim is that it just keeps dynamically generating random missions. Right, but I stopped doing those after a while because they became really boring. Uh, but this one actually has some new random generated missions as well. It, ha- it adds a couple of those too. That's uh, fucking diabolical. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> like, Are you playing as a vampire? Uh, no, but I did create a save point because I definitely want to do the vampire stuff. It's not just vampires, because you can get a, you can be a vampire in Skyrim. Like, proper. Right, but... It's like, a vampire lord. Yeah, you can be, like, vampire, mega vampire. And, uh, it's funny because my character is still a werewolf, and there's actually a point where it's, where your character says, like, if I decide to become a vampire, can I also still be a werewolf? And they're like, no, the vampire blood will, uh will drive that poison out of you or whatever. <laughs> I was like, damn, that would have been awesome. I could have been a vampire werewolf. This is an underworld, Matt. <laughs> I was going to say, this is starting to sound like teenage fiction. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, uh, it definitely, like, you, I, with the decision point where you can to decide to become a vampire, I'm like, all right, it's pretty clear that, like, uh, it would be pretty wildly divergent if you chose one side versus the other. So there's definitely reason to have a save point and to go back and play it the other way. Hmm. Um, so far I haven't figured out, like uh, the vampires definitely seem like they're the evil guys and the Dawn Guards seem like they're the good guys, but they, they also flip that around. Yeah, they, at some point. exactly. They both have tendencies that make it seem like they could go either way, which, you know, Bethesda missions and they they do that always, all the time. They do stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Um. So Dawn I think Guard, it's good. Are you playing it on PC? Yeah. Okay. Um, playing it on PC. Arthur, I finally got a 3DS XL. What? Or He's, not finally? I finally got a 3DS, which is a 3DS XL. Yeah. Uh, and have you played something on it? Uh, New Super Mario Brothers Two. Oh, well, that's that's pretty big. Yeah. I no, you don't like it. I heard that was like one of the best Mario games. Like, period. You hate your childhood. I don't hate my childhood. I just played that fucking game. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but have you played? I it played that in game 3D? since I was fucking five years old. Yeah. I I turned thirty one momentarily, basically, and I've played that game. Mm-hmm. And. Which isn't to say it's it's bad. There are some really fun things about it. Like the coin stuff is bananas. Just like there's so much, almost everything you can do in that game leads to coins. <laughs> there are just coins coming out of everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and that's that's fun. And there like there are certain things you can do where you figure out. Well, if I have the if you hit uh, one of the coin blocks up in the air that's like hidden as brick, but you hit it over and over again, get coins out of it. It'll turn into a coin hat. And what you figure Sweet. out is that if you run, it'll leave coins behind you that are automatically collected. But if you run and then you jump on a musical note box and jump really high, it generates a ton of coins behind you. There are just a lot of like little things, like little mechanics <laughs> to generate more coins. Never overly explained. You just kind of figure it out. Yeah. 
That's which cool. is it's just like a sort of hidden bit of depth, which is pretty f- consistent for Mario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other things like little things like the music is really cute and quirky. It's like people sort of singing versions of the song. It's like and meanwhile, like the Koopa Troopas are in the background, like sort of walking with their arms up in the air and then they'll stop and look at the screen and like do like a little dance like kick their feet up at certain parts of the music (laughs) and that's really charming Mm -hmm. it's more overtly charming than i think a lot of mario games have been like they've had charm but it's not directed at you Mm -hmm. and in that case it's just like oh it's fun loving koopas that (laughs) will still hurt you if you touch them (laughs) uh i just it's mario like it's it's more mario Mm -hmm. um and I don't want to say that's that's a 2D Mario game and throw it away because obviously they add some things, but at this point it's a 26 year old gameplay concept that's been done and done and done and done and done. Um, and I don't feel like they've iterated enough on it. And honestly, that's a lot of Mario games over the, over the course of a year. Like there was new Super Mario brothers or no Super Mario 3d land, which I haven't played for the last fall. There's New Super Mario Brothers 2 uh, this month, and then in November, there's uh, the new one on Wii U. Hmm. So yeah. that's three Mario games, like mainline Mario games in a year. Gotta make the money somehow. So I, I just like... And the funny thing is, it's been so long since I played a Mario game, like I barely touched New Super Mario Brothers Wii. Yeah. So it's just, for me to get fatigued with it so quickly, I just it's not something I'm interested in anymore. Just like when I play a new Zelda game, usually I get really burned out on it really fast because it's just doing stuff. It's, it's, I feel like it's pandering to me and I don't want to be pandered to. I just want it to be amazing. Um, like I feel like there was an era of Nintendo games where they shine in particular, where they didn't feel the need to pander to everyone, but they built up such a background and such a legacy and such baggage that there's a big responsibility in every mainline Nintendo release release to pander to the audience. And they waste a lot of time sort of winking and nodding. And it takes a lot of energy that they could use to do better things. You can send in your letters <laughs> to letters at eat-game.com. <laughs> I agree though. I, and yeah, that's and not again. It's not saying it's bad. It's just well, my gut my gut reaction is to like not agree. But then I was thinking, when was the last time I played a Mario game the whole way through? And I don't think I have. Right. And when I you were a kid, I like think, you would get a Mario game and fucking finish it. And I yeah, exactly. And I don't think I've beaten a Zelda since Wind Waker. Yeah, I just. And I mean, I've gone back and played those. I played the earlier games, and I would. If you put a, a if you put new Super Mario Brothers Wii U or new Super Mario Brothers Two in front of me mm-hmm. and Super Mario World in front of me, and I had a chance to play both for ten minutes, chances are I would want to finish Super Mario World, right? Because that game is so fresh, it's so aggressively innovative for a platformer, and in a lot of ways, it, it doesn't feel like new Super Mario Brothers Two is even at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't have played through New Super... Actually, I know for a fact I would never have played through New Super Mario Brothers on Wii if I had not been able to play multiplayer. Mm. I I just would have never done it. There is multiplayer on the 3DS. Yeah, but multiplayer 3DS games are like 
almost worthless to me. Like, I never do that with anyone. So. I mean, the thing for New Super Mario Brothers 2 seems like, what is the next insane way that they can introduce coins? And <laughs> in the first hour or so, man, they are definitely, like, pushing the boundaries of how to introduce coins into that fucking game, which is fine. But that's it. that feels like the trick it has. Yep. And everything else is just, like, coming up with new ways to to wink and nod at the the core Nintendo enthusiast audience. Got to trigger them gray matter reward centers. And that makes me sad because I actually got it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to play this. Yeah. I have a 3DS now and it's a 3DS XL, uh, which is nicer on the inside and to hold than a 3DS. But on the outside, I think is considerably uglier. Hmm. I think it looks like a, a makeup compact. Yeah. Well, the old <laughs> one, it's not too far off from that. I, I actually really like the industrial design externally of the 3ds xl um although the debug 3ds xls are definitely the ones that look the coolest uh, because they're <laughs> like the carbon gray mm-hmm. uh but uh but yeah i was like really invested in giving it a shot and i played a fair bit of it and i just couldn't get into it fair enough um i did borrow super mario 3d land from phil so i'm gonna give that a try that one's pretty good. Uh, I've been slowly working my way over that for a year now. You will be sad to know that the battery life on standby of the 3DS XL is not appreciably better than the 3DS. I'm perfectly fine. I don't want... This is not a system that I want to upgrade at all. I upgraded to every version of the DS, but there's no way I'll do that with the 3DS. Mm. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think you're missing much. But it's good to have, you know, in the event that I need to review something. Sure. <laughs> um... That's your excuse for everything, isn't it, Arthur? Yes. <laughs> Tech whoredom. I mean, it is interesting in that it's the first game Nintendo has released on day and date as a download as well as a retail hmm. title. I did not know that. Um, uh, I ain't got shit else, son. You got Darksiders. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm a little nervous talking about that only because I don't know. I can tell you right now what you can talk about from Darksiders. It's a fair bit. It's one of those situations where they included a preview embargo with the embargo information. Yay, embargoes! Uh, You can talk about the first realm, the Forge Lands. Everything up to and including the Guardian battle. So, how about them Forge Lands, Anthony? (laughs) Okay, so that's actually perfect because that's about all I've played. (laughs) Hot. (laughs) Fucking serendipity, bitch. Uh, So the thing about Darksiders is, is that if you liked Darksiders 1... I do believe you will enjoy Darksiders 2 quite a bit. Because to me, so I'm not a big Zelda game player, never have been. Outside of A Link to the Past. Yeah, but the action in that first one was so good. It was So the action yeah. of this one is, is comparable to that, right? It's still uh, it's still closer to God of War than anything Zelda. Mm-hmm. But it still is very much Zelda in the sense that it's like, now explore this dungeon. There mm-hmm. are even like secondary missions where it'll be like, someone wants you to go and get this for them. Mm-hmm. And it'll be involving going into like a baby dungeon. Where it involves working your way down to the bottom, and there may not be a boss, but it involves a combination of either boss fights, uh, fighting waves of guys, and or uh, environmental puzzles. And the environmental puzzle stuff is a lot more like Prince of Persia, Uh, like and and it. If you see it in the way that death moves in this game in action, it looks like Prince of Persia two thousand eight, in the sense that. Like one of his main moves is running up to walls and running along them, but Mm -hmm. he doesn't run. He like. Old Prince of Persia just ran along the wall. Mm-hmm. 2008 Prince of Persia, if you remember, had that gauntlet 
that he dragged along the wall and created sparks and he used to create traction and death has the same thing death has this huge gauntlet that he always sticks into the wall and drags when Mm -hmm. he runs Mm -hmm. and uh but yeah there's a lot of platforming where it requires you to be it's always like one button taps but it's like one button taps at the right point in time to do like really precise corner to corner jump to pull to this to you know like post Mm -hmm. and uh so that feels really good one thing that really bothers me about the combat though is that i feel like uh you know you can hold like the trigger to lock onto the nearest enemy and you can swing at them and stuff but and then you can use like uh, the shoulder button to dodge um but that's all fine but i feel like when you're locking onto an enemy stuff the camera tends to swing pretty low behind your back mm. and it's a little hard to to know that you need to like hit the shoulder button to dodge a guy that's like behind you because uh. you don't really have a good situational awareness like, oh, I feel so like it w- doesn't do the the whole thing because I mean, God of War was always really good about guys off camera not attacking you. Yeah, guys from off camera will definitely attack you in this. And mm. what's more is another thing God of War does though is that when God of War in God of War games, it, the camera always and a lot of times you're fighting like ten dudes at once tends to pull back sure. quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know what that was. Neither do I. Me either. But uh, yeah, God of War tends to have it where the camera pulls back quite a bit and. And this the camera can get down low sometimes, and you can adjust it. Now, granted, you can always sit there and use the right stick to adjust it, but when you're already thinking about dodging, tacking, doing combos and stuff, it, it mm-hmm. just feels like it doesn't feel as nice as something like God of War. Yeah. yeah now, granted, God of War doesn't have nearly as good of platforming. No, or, or God of War doesn't. God of War doesn't have like open environments. Either. Right. And so this this still has that going on. You know, yeah. like you definitely do just like a zelda game return to the hub world go to this mm-hmm. dungeon now you have this ability go to this dungeon and mm-hmm. blah, blah 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 and the guy that does the voice of death is amazing like that guy's <laughs> such like he's the iconic like he sounds like that is exactly what death should sound like nice. i forget his name michael wincott there you go michael uh, wincott is best known as top dollar from the crow and the jailer from the 2000 remake of count of monte cristo huh there you go He's been in a bunch of other stuff, too. You'll know him. As soon as you see him, you'll be like, oh, that fucking guy, because his voice <laughs> is so distinctive. Um, and yeah, he does like a really phenomenal job as the voice actor. It'd be, you know, the story in these Darksider games, in my opinion, has always been kind of inconsequential. Yeah, yeah. Like, even the guys at at, uh, at the studio, you know, they'll say first, like, they'll say straight up that when it came to Darksiders 1, they designed all these dungeons, and we're like, oh, these are really fun. All right, let's make a story around these dungeons. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, like, exactly. they didn't have that going on, so... <laughs> This one feels like they've they've fleshed out the world a little bit more. If you liked the world the Dark Souls one was set in, but it's definitely not like hmm. this isn't like an Oscar story so far or anything sure. like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean, it, to me, it just feels like Dark Souls one with uh, with better platforming and and it, they do throw in also like a loot system they've talked a lot about. Mm-hmm. But to me, it feels pretty like an afterthought. Like I don't even think about it that much. Like an item falls, I I walk up to it if it's green if like the three stats that are displayed if if it compares it to my other weapon it shows three uh, green up arrows then i equip it if it doesn't then i just don't bother right you know like <laughs> like and i don't even think about what those stats are like i don't think like oh i should really try and min max my fucking armor because i want this and this stat there aren't mm-hmm. really enough stats in my opinion to make it feel like i ever had to make like a super mm-hmm. hard choice so yeah so instead of it so at that point it's like well why not just give me better gear when it's time for me to need better gear right i just equip it just to stay on track like right i don't feel like i'm ever like building like it's not like i feel like i'm distinctly building my character out so far Mm -hmm. although there are two very distinct skill trees in the game like Mm -hmm. one is like you uh 
it's very much more like a, a you doing direct combat mm-hmm. sort of abilities. Like you might do a, a slash that teleports you across the battlefield. Mm. The other tree is like more towards like death as like a necromancer. You can summon mm. ghouls and these ghouls fight for you and then you can augment it to where now the ghouls do fire damage and blah, blah, blah. Oh, uh, cool. So yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a little variation, but they very clearly intend for everyone to play in generally the same way, which is that you're going to be death. You're going to be swinging around your weapon like crazy. <laughs> right. And you're going to be doing platforming like that. You're not going to change it to like the point that like two separate classes and like say something like Diablo. Right. So you're always very clearly going to be death. So this morning I was having breakfast with Joe Madrera. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was talking about how they've made the combo system less complicated that the buying combo thing isn't as big a, a deal. Yeah, like, okay, so that's that's good that you said it because so far I don't even feel like you could never spend any of the money you get on combos and I feel like you'd just be fine. Hmm. You, you could pretty much just succeed. At least in the first stage or first whatever. I don't see why you couldn't just indefinitely, like, succeed hmm. on just being able because the default, like, square, 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 square or triangle combos, like, you know, like in God of War you have your heavy attacks and light attacks. Yeah, it's like I feel like you could just succeed on those as long as you're good at dodging. If you can time your dodges enough and not get hit, and then just counter, 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 right. you're gonna be fine. Huh. It's like the 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 combos and stuff they added are not a necessity. They don't feel like they feel like they're more like there for people who want a lot more flavor mm. into their fighting. Mm-hmm. But so it's not necessary. Definitely doesn't feel necessary to me at all. How badass do you want to be? Exactly. I mean, or like you know, do you like to like like is it is it going to bore you? for several hours if all you're doing is like is like square 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 triangle square right. square square triangle or do you like to be the guy that's like square knock him up in the air triangle pull out your pistol shoot 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 do this <laughs> like you know right but it but also it's if you can get by just hitting square 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 does it make it satisfying enough to do the other combos because mm-hmm. because it's like I mean, like, I feel like I'm mastering a skill and I get more satisfaction out of it if, is if I don't master that skill, it makes my life harder. Yeah, I feel like there's a little bit of that maybe where the combat could get a little tiresome. Yeah. But I feel like they space it out fairly well so far that it doesn't feel like you have to worry about it that much. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, combat, I would say, makes up less than... I'm probably way off base of this, but it feels like it makes up less than a third of the game. Hmm. Like you spend very much so a lot of it doing like the what you would do in like a Tomb Raider or Prince of Persia game. Like it actually cool. feels like Is pacing wise a lot like Tomb Raider. Good or mm. not a lot like Prince of Persia. Yeah, I think it's good. Like I, I don't play it for the combat. For me, mm-hmm. I play it. Can I get from point A to B in this dungeon mm-hmm. and survive the survive the enemies I have to fight, but also survive the environment and also figure it out sometimes because you know it's definitely like. Like those times in Legend of Zelda, you'd sit around and be like, where do I need to put this fucking bomb to <laughs> right. get through this place? And so right. you're definitely having to come overcome those those puzzles in your mind. So I like yeah. it so far. So far, if you were a big fan of the first one, I think you have a lot to look forward to. Very cool. So, well, that's good to know. Yeah. That and Sleeping Dogs coming out on the same day. Crazy. I played some Sleeping Dogs. Yeah? Yeah, I played about six hours between Friday and Saturday. That's interesting. I just got that for PS3. Yeah, um, so if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, the fact that I'm not reviewing Sleeping Dogs, uh, and I got it on PC, and I still sat down and played it for about six hours. 
and it's an open world game. That's the thing. Arthur's not a huge fan of many open world games outside of that's like the, fault, the Bethesda ones. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, I, from what I played so far, I mean, first of all, sort of interesting thing about it is it was about five hours, five and a half hours before I got a gun. <laughs> that's that yeah. is crazy that is crazy uh, in an open world game so the thing the thing about hong <laughs> the kong the fuck were you doing the thing punching about hong people kong historically is that they have in- incredibly strict gun laws okay so to but, the point where even organized crime doesn't use guns for a lot of stuff what i just realized but what this one makes up with it is is much cooler combat right so the combat system is derived very heavily from batman arkham asylum i was which gonna makes say sense because they had people from uh rock city consult with them on the the Right, which makes perfect sense because, you know, like we've talked about on the show before, Batman was the first game where it feels like you got hand to hand combat in in a group of in a group of people to feel the most like a kung fu movie. Yeah, yeah, I would give it that. Um, So the combat in it is is pretty involved and it's not just uh, the counter system. Um like you learn a lot of like escalating combos and Mm -hmm. like there's a fair bit of depth to the combat given how few buttons it uses. Um, and as you find these Jade figurines around the world, you trade them in and and learn you, you level up your combat abilities and there's like a, a branching tree. So like you can upgrade the top tier or the bottom tier until you get to the final ability, which is the dim mock. Well, I don't even know what Dim Mock is. Did you yeah. see Bloodsport? No, no. The John Claude Van Damme movie Bloodsport. Oh, I did see oh, it many yeah, so years like the, ago. You remember the, the the thing where he puts the brick on the bottom of the pile and hits the top one, and the bottom one explodes? <laughs> that's the Dim Mock, the Death Touch. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's what happens in Sleeping Dogs because I haven't gotten it. <laughs> but like one of the moves is a knee break, where you grab them and you hit them once in the face, and then you hold the X button and you like kick in the side of their oh. knee. Which has the uh, area of effect of everyone around you wincing and screaming when yeah. it happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is kind of cool. But mm-hmm. from a structural point of view and just a sort of minute-to-minute activity point of view, it reminds me a lot of Bully. Hmm. Uh, that doesn't sound like a bad thing. In that you're doing a lot of running around. Uh, you're doing a lot of fetch, like multi-tiered fetch quests for mm-hmm. people. Uh, you learn hand-to-hand combat moves from specific people. There's lots of story from side missions. Um, and just the fact that there's such an emphasis on hand-to-hand is a lot like Bully. Mm. Um, but then, of course, there's driving and that kind of stuff. It's good that it's that it's turning out to be okay, considering it's been in development for forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, wasn't this a game that started out like... It was True Crime Hong Kong, originally. Yeah, and wasn't it originally like it was a it was like a Sierra game or something like that? Is this one of those ones? No, that it was got... Activision. Okay. Hmm. So was uh, <sighs> talk. was it always this studio working on it, or did they yeah. just take over True Crime? No, United Front uh, left when Activision basically canceled the project on their end. Uh, I think. Okay, I see. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't. It's still an open world game. But the the parts are are coherent enough so far to be interesting. The story is interesting. All the voice acting is really good. Hmm. Nice. Um, and there's an interesting sort of series of subplots and motivations to all these characters. Um, but it also does it. 
so far you can sort of see hooks or maybe some throwaway open world stuff, but I'm really not sure how it's going to turn out. Um, cause I literally have only done one mission where I had a gun. Mm. Um, if the uh, melee combat's fun enough though, like that sounds yeah. fine to me. Cause the reason I liked having a gun in GTA was the melee combat sucked. Yeah, exactly. So, so and the reason why I liked not having a gun in Yakuza is because <laughs> the melee combat in Yakuza was so much fun. Yeah. And the main, the main thing, uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that I'm playing on the PC mm-hmm. and the PC version is incredibly well developed from the perspective of having a ton of options. Um, hmm. There's a bunch of direct X 11 stuff in there. There's a lot of uh, high definition ambient occlusion technology in there. Uh, they have a day one patch that adds a ton of new textures to the game. Cool. Uh, they have a bunch of different anti-aliasing options. It runs really well on my system. It has a frame rate limiter which is pretty crazy because generally if you want to do that on your PC game, you have to do it from a external utility. So that's just nice. Cause, uh, you know, I mean, this just, are they basically telling you that if you decide to go on PC, you're not being screwed. No, yeah. in fact, the PC version is the version to get, I think, uh, obviously the, it has controller support. The, yeah. And it switches between mouse and controller seamlessly too, which is nice if like someone, something bumps your mouse as my kitten is inclined to do. <laughs> uh, it, uh, I just totally lost my train of thought. So does Skyrim as well. Has Skyrim always had seamless mouse and controller support. I don't know. I don't know if Oblivion even had controllers. Yeah. I don't know. I never tried it, to play it, Oblivion it, with it, a mouse or anything other uh, than a mouse. Cause Skyrim does now. It has both. Uh, At least I noticed it in the options, and I didn't remember that before playing Dawn Guard, so I didn't know if that was new or if I just never noticed it. Oh, I'm sure I had it before. The yeah. Blah, God damn it! I had it and lost it again. Goodbye, thought. No, it's right <laughs> on the tip of my tongue. What was I gonna say? Computer options. The PC version is the version to get ambient occlusion. Oh. uh the thing about the PC version is if you have a decent enough PC version, it allows you to overcome just the technical difficulties inherent to an open world game on a console. Like, like really massive frame rate issues and pop in. Uh, oh, like if you're hauling ass in a car. Yeah. Mm. Just like the things that get in the way of the game or like saints Row three had really awful tearing on the console. Mm. Uh, and none of that stuff is there in the PC version because I'm playing on a PC that can handle it. I actually forgot that I bought Saints Row 3 during the Steam sale. I did too. Shit, son. <laughs> I haven't played it yet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, it's... I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'll go back to it or not because there's so much stuff going on. I should have mm-hmm. the new Transformers game on Monday. Oh, shit, yeah. Um, I'm really curious to hear because you uh, and I both loved... Yeah, and this one looks pretty good. Um, But yeah, I I think that so far Sleeping Dogs is pretty pretty impressive. Hmm, Right on. Um, And I'd be interested to see what what Justin, our reviewer, has to say about it. Uh, It looked cool when I glimpsed it at E3. Yeah, glimpsed it. It's just really cool that it managed to find a life after basic cancellation. Yeah, you can learn more about it. Next week on Polygon use dot com slash gaming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's all I've got, I think. Good shit, yo. I played more mutant blobs because I was getting my beta ready to be used again. Mm. 
Were they blobby mutants? Yep. Cool. It's a game you buy if you buy a Vita. There's some really brutally unforgiving platforming parts down toward mm. the end. Sounds like the theme of the day. <laughs> uh, do you want to take a break? Yeah. Okay, so Nelson writes in and he says, About a year ago, I got into PC gaming. I have a nice desktop. <gasps> but with college starting up in a month or so, I'm in the market for something a little more portable that I could still manage casual gaming. My question is, what would be the best option for an all-around utility in a computer? My first thought was a MacBook Pro plus some sort of external graphics card. I would boot camp and what? run Windows 7. No. Would this be a good choice? If so, what are some options for external graphics cards? I am currently running a GTX 670. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I know the performance in an external card would be much lower, which is fine for casual use. I've also been looking into normal Windows laptops, but have not found any with a reasonable price tag and a decent graphics card. I would be open to a PC, but I would prefer the Unix-based OX OS of the Mac. Any advice appreciated? Why can't you just get a Mac? And He says and, he wants portable. Yeah, but if he gets a MacBook... I have a MacBook Pro with decent integrated graphics. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. The, well, I mean, if he's just looking for something casual that's not going to be like his hardcore PC gaming rig, then the I, MacBook with Boot Camp will be fine. I I, I just... I play I, I play Boot Camp stuff on my... on my uh, Well, my 2011 MacBook all the time. There are also good Dell PCs that aren't too, too unreasonably priced that come with decent NVIDIA cards. Like or like, but I'm confused what he what he says about like casual though. I mean, like, I don't think he means casual. I think he just means less lower settings. The way I read that, yeah, lower For someone settings. Someone that wants to play yeah. with like a six seventy, right? Like, okay. <laughs> I don't think you understand casual. Yeah, and no, don't do external graphics cards. Yeah, that's, that was the that's thing. That's a colossal mistake. Yeah, don't that's ever like do a that. weird thought to me. The idea of an external yeah. card. It's uh, my experience with external cards, and we've used them every now and then to try to do portable video capture using external cards. Is that like, uh, I don't give a shit who your manufacturer is using your express bus in your uh, in your laptop to connect to an external housing for a graphics card. It just doesn't work. It's buggy as shit. It'll like uh, it'll cause system freezes. Like I don't know what it does to your graphics Over card. Over bus is this a USB or firewire? No, the or? express. Okay, the express port. Like uh, it because like uh, it, and it's because the uh, the express ports, express cards like nobody really makes express card stuff specifically for the Mac unless it's formatted around specific industry applications. So like, good luck trying to find something where this particular setup is going to be supported because what you're going to find is an express card which may have Mac drivers that are done by you know some random Chinese or Korean company. And uh, the support for it's going to be terrible. And then when you hook it into your uh, external uh, PCI bus, uh, PCIe bus box, whatever it is, um, that whole operation isn't going to be specifically supported by the manufacturer. And even if it is, it probably won't work with every graphics card and every chipset because of various power requirements and all kinds of crap that has like... I won't pretend to understand it all. I just know that like you're in for a world of hurt. 
Uh, Thunderbolt and USB 3, uh, I think both have external graphics card solutions, like external enclosures. They have a Thunderbolt one? Maybe not Thunderbolt. It's just interesting. It's just interesting to me. Like, is that a viable option though? Like, they have solutions, but is it like? I, it's it's always going to be barely supported. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It just seems to me like get a decent Dell laptop I, that has an God, okay card. In it. Don't buy yeah. a, don't buy a laptop right now. Just wait. Just wait until Surface comes out. They won't. I think Surface is going to affect the market, whether it means that Apple needs to realign some of their stuff to compete with it. And honestly, if I was you and you have this desktop and you're going to college, I would take my desktop with me as my in-dorm computer, and then I would just get a netbook for times I need to be portable. Or an iPad. Or an Ultrabook. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't understand why. You- I, I just, I feel like there are going to be enough games that are launched with windows eight that are designed with surface specifications in mind. Um, because of the games push in windows eight, the next letter, just throwing that out there next. comes from David. And what he says, uh, with Sony and Microsoft pumping out some of their biggest brands this fall and Pump. early next year, gears of war, halo, God of war, last of us. Are they setting us up for a, a another weak software console launch? Like the Vita or 3ds. Also, with most first-party games getting relatively high in sequel count, do you see Sony and Microsoft leaning more on third-party games to push console sales later next year with games like Call of Duty and Watch Dogs? Um, is, is, last, is Last of Us... Uh, it's next year. It is next year? Yeah. Okay. I but didn't know like, next when year. next year. It's, but that's the thing. is like He's saying like all these games that are being shown, it's like these are all coming out for this, so what's, what's going to be the push... But I do think that third parties are going to be a big part of it. Obviously. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, huge. I yeah. think that there is going to be a surprisingly large push for exclusive titles from Microsoft, although I'm not completely sure what form that's going to take. I mean, Thief 4 just got announced today that it's going to be for next gen. And mm. Did it? Yeah. Hmm. Man, I just Crazy. I have been out of the fucking house almost all day. And so it's like with Thief 4 being next gen, it's like... You know, that could I think be an that's awesome. fucking awesome. Wait, that could see, be an awesome launch. Title. That is exciting. Wait, I that thought you, an, I thought you said D four. You said thief four. Thief. Fuck. That could be an awesome launch title. Right? Head explode. I don't think that's gonna be a launch title. Well, if it was, <laughs> shut up, let me dream. Oh my god. Uh, no, because Deus Ex just came out last year, and I think that team's gonna need more than two years. This is like my my PC All Stars coming back to kick me in the teeth. Like, I get Tribes, I get Deus Ex, and now I get Thief. What the fuck is going on? Yep. Oh, my God. So, I mean, yeah, I do think that the, a lot of the best games that are going to come out in, like, the the window of the launch are going to be third party, not first party. That's yeah. just my guess. Hmm. So, um, Adrian writes in and he says, I'm looking to buy a controller for my PC to better suit myself for upcoming action games like Assassin's Creed and Darksiders 2. Before purchasing a Microsoft controller, I want to know if you'd spent any time with alternatives, and that's all I'm going to read, because now Arthur's going to tell you what controller you buy. <laughs> I mean, this is for what, PS3? No, just a PC controller. Uh, I mean, the 360 controller. Yeah, you wouldn't just get You don't like that. I thought you liked that MLG. I really better. do like the MLG controller, but on the PS3, it's like the only good 360 stick alignment equivalent controller. I use, for PS3, I use the Batman Arkham Asylum. Arkham City limited edition controller. Is that also wired has, or wireless? It's wireless, mm-hmm. but it has a dongle, but it also has 360 stick layout. That's mm-hmm. what I like to play with. I've mm-hmm. used other 360 stick layout controllers on PS3 that just weren't very good. They had really bad dead zones, and they were all wireless. Um, the MLG uh, controller does not. So for PS3, it's that. But for PC, I mean, the 360 wired controllers are fine. 
Like, if I could just plug in a 360 wired controller into a PS3, I wouldn't be worried about the MLG controller for PS3. Hmm. Just because it's... I, I mean, Matt, do you have an opinion as someone who plays games on PC? Do you care about this question? Not really. <laughs> you just use a mouse and keyboard. I use mouse and keyboard. Uh, I, I like my Cyborg Rat 7. And I like the 360 controller well enough that if I ever want to use a controller, that's all I need. Yeah, exactly. And they're cheap. Yeah, same here. Well, the the wired ones can be difficult to find. Not really. I had trouble finding one. I had to buy it used. That's see, that's weird. To me. At this point, you don't look for wired Xbox controllers. You look for a wired Windows controller, and right. it's just the Xbox controller thrown in a different uh, clamshell case. <laughs> right. I mean, that is exactly what you do. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, which I didn't know at the time, so I ended up buying a used Xbox controller. The wired controller black for Xbox 360 is $30 on Amazon. There you go. Sometimes people write in with letters that are just so batshit insane that I have to read them. <laughs> this one's not even batshit insane like he's weird. He's just saying, Aaron says, now that Sotor seems to have the bottom fall out of it, and EA and Bioware taking it free to play, has there been... Any talk amongst your circles about, let me finish by the way, about repurposing assets to release any SWOTOR $60 box titles for console or PC, like single player? Hmm. Seems to me like they could recoup some of that money they invested in a game and make a lot of gamers who never wanted or can't afford the MMORPG happy. He wants. First of all, you can't, if you can't afford the MMORPG, you pretty soon don't have a fucking excuse because it's going to be free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'll be able to play all the content me and Matt did. I was going to say. <laughs> so, no, you're not going to do that. Like, like what you're suggesting is, so do you think they'd, uh, they'd invest like another 10 or $20 million in, in another it, Star Wars single game. player game? And it's like, it's not that easy. Like, they could retake some of the R assets, but like nothing else. Like, that game doesn't look very good. If you released a single-player game that looked like that, people would pan it for looking like shit. The only way that they can get away with it looking like it does is because it's, it's an, an MMO. MMO. Yes. I just... That's, that's, I mean, I don't mean to be mean to Aaron. I'm just saying that's crazy <laughs> talk. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking crazy talk. Plus, I bet you when it goes free-to-play, they start turning a profit on it. At least for a while. At least for a while, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, it doesn't surprise me. Like, when that game came out, I knew that there was no way it could sustain a subscription, but... It being free to play. I mean, I hoped that it could, but after getting up to level 50, whatever, 40, whatever, um, I was like, all right, there's no way I'm going to last in this. And I bet a lot of people don't either. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I I basically just want KOTOR 3. That's what I really want. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you didn't ever try it and you wanted to, I would definitely say when it comes out free to play and you can play through the story content for free, like Mm -hmm. if you had any interest, it's totally worth doing that. Mm -hmm. Like making a character and playing through the story content once. Like I really enjoyed that. But then after that, it's like, well, over it. Done. So, I mean, like I can't, it it wasn't compelling enough for me to like start a new character and try the other stories. Um, Because there isn't enough story between all the shit. Okay. I mean, how do you? I mean, how do you guys feel about the whole Spotor thing? I was disappointed. Like, um, uh, there's a lot of stuff in it to like, especially when it comes to the stories and the story stories tailored more towards your character choices and stuff like that. But um, there was just so much MMO crap between all that stuff; it became tedious. You know, like when you're when you spend two hours in a dungeon with a group because you die three or four times and all it is is to bear you know if if you were looking at 
a uh, like to barely move the needle on your story. You know, like if you were looking at a chart and you were like a needle from start to finish, and you spend hours and hours and hours like just killing tons of the same thing or the same types of monsters to barely move the needle on a story. It becomes not much different than any other MMO. It just has a few clever things that sets it apart, but everything else is pretty much the same. And that was disappointing. Yeah, I agree. Like, I enjoyed it for the while that it could pull the story, the the story veil over my eyes to hide the fact that I was doing a lot of the same old shit. <laughs> or at least that I loved that enough because as a Star Wars fan that I didn't mind doing that shit. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, and I will say then after like 40 to 50 hours, mm-hmm. I yeah, started just to be like, ah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just wasn't feeling it anymore. Yeah. And then it really was just the same. And then for, at that point, I was only playing because my friends were. Yeah. Then when my friends stopped playing, it was like I, I really did lose like all desire to play. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't like the war ground. I don't think that. And not only that, but the problem with that game is that it released way behind its competition. And I feel, I still doubt it's even matched up to where you know its competition is. Mm-hmm. Like it was like this game that had such a huge budget coming out from one of the biggest publishers in the world, if not the biggest publisher in the world, second biggest. Yay, first, yeah. second? Uh, second. Um, I think Activision I still first, think they're biggest. Yeah. yeah, so it's coming behind from like the second biggest publisher in the world, and it and it felt like a busted-ass MMO that some other company would make like in a lot of ways. And, <laughs> you know? And it's like no search option in the auction house and shit like that. It was just like just a fucking joke mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. So, and like I just don't think that after two years of building up and spending millions of fucking dollars on CGI trailers and stuff, you'd shit on people's expectations like that. But... I still yeah. enjoyed it for a while. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I said, there was enough. It had enough things interesting in it to keep you going for like a, it would About maybe six weeks. Yeah, or like a or like a, a forty to seventy hour single player game would, you know. But for the investment that they put into that game, you don't want people playing it in single game as a single game as a single player game. Yeah, this I, is a situation where. I'm not glad to have been correct about the ultimate fate of that game. Yep. Oh, well, I mean, I'm not either, but me I remember either. when people asked me early on about that game, they're like, what do you think about the game? I was like, it's not going to do well, and it's definitely going to be free to play with a year. Like, that was, like, <laughs> I guess for sure. Like, there's no way it wasn't going to be free to play with a year. Yeah. Just like I would say the same thing about Secret World. That game is going to be free to play with a yeah, year. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't remember what I said about SWOTOR on this show. I think I was more optimistic about it than you guys were, but I had my hopes dashed. Let's do a couple more. Aww. Second, second to last letter here from Ivy, I-V-E-Y, Ivy, I don't hmm. know. He says, he says, I'm trying to convince my wife to let me move an old Sony Triniton 42-inch from my parents' house into our basement. I've got a small vintage console collection, and I want a CRT to play them on. I've been trying to explain to her that they don't make these tubes anymore. 42 inches are rare because of their weight, something like 290 pounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this is kind of a stretch. We'll become a collector's item in the near future as our generation tries Wait, to... Wait, how big is this TV? 42. 42 inches, 290 oh, pounds. 42 inch tube. <laughs> he says, and these things, he says, this is kind of a stretch, I know, but these things will become a collector's item in the near future as our generation tries to perfectly reuse vintage gaming experience. He says, can you guys back me up here? I can tell I've got her on the ropes. I just need a little more leverage. I try to keep <laughs> my nerd shit to a ropes. minimum. But if I, I know if I don't get this TV, I'm going to regret it in the future. So... He wants to just put it in the basement. Is that what he said? Yeah, but the whole point is, I remember reading from someone today that, or somewhere today that they, 
emulators are almost there now. They do reproduce the scan lines and everything. They're getting, uh, they're they're getting, getting close. close, but they're not there yet. But yeah, I don't see why, if you want to get a real console gaming experience for vintage things, I can guarantee that your ass, when you were playing these games back in the day, you were playing on, on probably like a 19-inch TV. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just get yourself a dumb little 19-inch TV <laughs> instead of a desk instead of a 300-pound monster? <laughs> You're going to fucking regret that someday. Dude. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I. Yeah. it's what you want the size of the, the TV is just you're just asking for back problems. That'll like become hurting a, yourself. And like the collector's edition thing or like becoming a collector's item would fly first if you had a collection and secondly if you wanted to wait until your grandchildren are old enough to want to put it in their basement. Then it will be a collector's item. But it's not that argument's not going to fly yet. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I would just look on Craigslist for someone giving away a Sony TV for free, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. a twenty-inch one, and just go grab it. Yep, and then move on. Yep, let your and say you compromised with her, and then ask for something else in the future. <laughs> there you go, because you compromised this time. <laughs> so, I understand the appeal of old school consoles running through like Definitely. a. I can't even remember the name of the connector anymore. Composite. Composite conductor. Yeah. Or S-Video. Or an S-Video. Yeah. S-Video is where you got the if, super clean if, signal. Yeah. So, um, the last question of tonight comes from Matt. And he says, I love going to game shops and browsing games, especially vintage games and systems. No, I don't. I think, well, I think, come on, systems, it's fun looking, even <laughs> if you don't buy it. He says, yeah, yeah. I take pride in my collection. I rarely buy used, and I never trade in games. At the same time, I'm a huge supporter of Steam and other digital delivery systems. Yeah. What are your feelings on the physical ownership of games, how long until box copies are a thing of the past? I, if I never bought another box copy of something ever again, I'd be fine. I feel the same way. If if yeah. if my three if it was convenient to have a storage solution for my three sixty that I could either buy one massive drive for a reasonable price or Multiple have drive or have or the ability to rapidly switch out cheap drives. Yeah, and like I'm not saying drives with a single game on it. I'm saying drives where I could be like. Oh, this drive has all of the Call of Duties, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. I would totally do that. Like, I don't want, I would prefer not to go into my my room right now and have a bookshelf with games on it. Yeah. Like, if I could have, like, I, that's what, I mean, it's like you said, right? I'd love Steam. Yeah. You know, I use Steam and it's all right there. It's my library and I have it. And if I have to wipe it all, the fucking, it's gone, but I can immediately download a piecemeal what I want and I mm-hmm. always know it's there. And I'm, and I'm really and I'm really happy with, uh, like, I have box copies of games and if they have a digital version where I can, like, enter the code or whatever in my box copy and put it in there, I'll, then I'll download the digital version of it. I won't even install the DVD. I feel like it was a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun to collect those old things too because <sighs> with Nintendo boxes and stuff, there was a certain, there's a certain nostalgia factor to them, but also it's just like, like I do not look at these, these DVD cases and stuff and think, wow, I like that in the same way that I look back and I like like an old Nintendo cartridge. No, or something well, like it's that. because like back then they were actually paying attention to the art that went on things, and these days they just take screenshots or some like cheap ass CG render and throw it on the front of a box and call it a cover. Yeah, you know, like it'd be it'd be different if people were putting the attention into game covers that they used to put into album covers or still put into album I, covers even when they're on iTunes. You know, I feel like I need to stop you guys here. Because he asked when we think they're going away. Right? Like, he wants to know when we think. Did he say when? Hold on. I will, I will reread it. He says, uh, what, are your physic- what are your feelings on the physical ownership of games first? Which is what we right, were kind of okay. doing. And right. He says, how long until they're thing of the past? Right. Uh, so, how, how long? long? I don't uh, know. Ten years? Maybe more. 
Because I still yeah, think maybe. that there are always going to be people. It's like books, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's people that want to own a lot of books. At this point, I read all my things on a Kindle app. Mm-hmm. But Sure. Uh, the problem with games is that games are getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes. And the internet situation in the United States is largely static. Yes, that's actually a very good point there that I often forget. There are chunks of the middle of this country that do not have access to high-speed broadband. Arthur reminds me of something that it's very easy to forget where we live. There are yeah, places in the Bay Area where you can't get more than DSL. Mm. Like and not super fast DSL, shitty. DSL. Well, my parents live in California and they have satellite, and that's the best they can get. Yeah, so, that's terrible. Uh, yeah, uh, that makes, ain't right. Arthur makes a good point with huge downloads, and if there are download caps and all that, that's true. Yeah, and that's then there's mm-hmm. that. The, we're at a point where the broadband situation is not easy to read, mm-hmm. and that it's very much a not just a first world, but a privilege to have super fast internet access with no bandwidth caps. So yeah, Arthur makes a very good point. Probably longer, uh, but so yeah, within just, our lifetimes. But also, <laughs> the retail the retail environment, the nature of the retail environment in games allows the hardware makers to sell hardware at a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I guess they could do that at Amazon, but Amazon, I think, would be less likely to carry something that they only get like ten or fifteen dollars on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the reason for them? the reason the yeah. GameStop can justify selling hardware at basically wholesale cost to them is because they sell games for that hardware, right? And use games at this point, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so it's a relationship as opposed to just a thing that mm-hmm. they sell. Yep. Yeah, I actually uh, my my perfect gaming room would or living room, gaming room, den, whatever would have my PC and my consoles and all the media accoutrements and uh but i would my i would have no shelves with games or books or anything you know everything would be digital yeah arthur has a really good solution i mean he keeps most of his hidden in a really sleek way yeah because i don't want to see shelves full of stuff right and and neither do i yeah and it's like yeah i agree i have thought about getting lights for those cabinets though yeah but i just think that you're right like everything looks cleaner when it's behind something and if i could just get rid of those things entirely i would right so what it's the long story question is a lot of us like the idea of getting rid of physical copies but it's way more far off than we initially would think because of internet because of our privileged state of being yeah Yeah, the infrastructure is not there but then you have you know other countries in like western northwestern europe where you know the broadband penetration is like 99 percent or korea yeah And by Korea, whenever I say Korea about Korea games, anything, I always only mean South Korea. (laughs) Well, yeah. I'm not even sure North Korea has the internet. No, North Korea is still fucking people using like two cans and a string. (laughs) All right. If you want to send in your own letters about North Korea cans and string, you can do that to letters at eat-sleep-game.com. Um, oh my god, you're a fucking terrible person. You can you can tweet at me how terrible a person I am at Chuff Money. <laughs> you can tweet Tyler about why he should stop missing the fucking show. This actually wasn't his fault, it was a work problem, but at Dirty T. You can tweet Matt at Talking Orange, and you can tweet Arthur at AEGIES to tell him that Nintendo games are not about pandering. <laughs> uh... You can always read our stuff. Arthur's stuff is on theverge.com slash gaming. My stuff is on IGN. And Matt's stuff is everywhere, and you'll never know. <laughs> and with that... Unless you buy the Street Fighter documentary. Yeah, that's cryptic. And with that, we leave you. Yeah.
Because it's right in my ears. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> my, uh, I had to tell Eleanor to stop doing her pterodactyl thing. She she does she has a pterodactyl voice, and in person it's not too bad. But when she does it over the phone, especially like when I'm wearing my earbuds, it's like it it destroys. Like a termite infestation in your ears. Yeah, it's awful. It's like one of those sounds that makes you want to just stab the person near. Yeah, you. exactly. Well, I won't. I won't do it right in the mic, but it's like she goes like. Oh yeah, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I was like, ah, oh, stop, stop, stop. She's like, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, thanks for that. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anthony, talk. Hey, what's up? Talking about video games. Students, video games and video games. Video games, but video games about girls. <laughs> they don't make video games about girls. They don't. They can't ride dragons. <laughs> uh, Matt, talk. Hi, I'm on a show that talks about video games. This is me in my normal speaking voice. 
It's not, no, no, it's like probably not my normal. Lie. It's probably not my normal speaking voice. No. It is like a little bit more like this, though. This is kind of how I tend to talk when I talk on podcasts. At about this volume, somewhere around here. Uh, does that sound good, Baldy? Yes, asshole. Thanks, Hihachi. <laughs> well, he can call you that because I'm a Baldy too. It's like it's like a white person saying cracker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I need to stop. This. Stop.